Hello and welcome to episode 130 of Together BHA. My name is Josh. Uh, this is not being streamed live today uh, due to the social media blackout. This is taking part. This is taking place on Sunday, the 2nd of May. Um, I was going to watch the, the Manchester United-Liverpool game before recording this, uh, but they are currently under a delay. Um, we will get to all of the Brighton stuff shortly, uh, but it's worth talking about what's happening today. Um, there is a huge uh, protest going on outside of uh, Old Trafford um, and outside the team hotel as well. Uh, it is great to see. I love to see it. Um, it is, you know, it is a cause that has been going on for a long, long, long time. Um there are people in the media saying this has never been seen before in English football. Uh, I direct you back to the mid-90s uh, with Brighton at the Goldstone. Uh, I direct you back to the 2000s with Charlton, with Plymouth, with Bury, uh, with Notts County, uh, with Bolton, um, with Blackpool, uh, with Wimbledon, um, with Leeds even, uh, Newcastle. Uh, I, I direct you to about half of the teams in English football uh, that have demonstrated in some way, shape or form against their owners. Uh, it is a shame that 25 years of dodgy ownership uh, and the FA allowing those dodgy owners to come in uh, is only being recognised now a, a massive club is having this happen. Um, and let's not, uh, let's not forget the entire point of this even being recognized is because it's hitting those people's pockets. Sky uh, and NBC Sports over here in the US couldn't give a flying monkeys uh, whether this was going on. Um, it's all about their bottom line. Um, today, NBC Sports cut in um, from the uh, from the Arsenal game against Newcastle. Uh, first of all, they apologized only to Arsenal fans for the interruption because I guess there are no Newcastle fans in America. Um, but it was really amazing seeing the sudden change in reporting on NBC Sports. Uh, I don't know what happened on Sky. I've not got access to Sky anymore. Um, other than a couple of hours in the middle of the day uh, on NBC Sports Network, they they air Sky Sports News Live, which is weird. Um, but other than that, I don't have access to Sky. Uh, but it was amazing seeing the reporting on NBC Sports. Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Mosto, and Robbie Earl. Uh, are the three panelists on the on the board kind of thing in the morning, um, and they were very sympathetic uh, as as the the invasion as they started calling it um, as the as the protesters came into the stadium. Uh, they're explaining the situation. Uh, they're explaining the reasons uh, that these 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 fans were upset, what they were doing. Uh, they are explaining the mindset. They are empathetic. Um, and and as we started getting rumours that the game was going to get postponed, cancelled, uh, things were not going to go ahead as hoped, um, the, the narrative so very quickly changed at NBC Sports. Um, and it was then being hailed as a dark day for English football by Robbie Musto. Um, Robbie Earl called them dangerous fans invading the pitch. Uh, there was also a hearkening back to the 80s. Uh, and full on a return to hooliganism. Um, they were called a bunch of thugs, uh, and and uh, they aren't going about this the right way. They are acting like criminals by trespassing. Um, I am honestly blown away at the 180 uh, NBC Sports chose to to commit to. Um, nobody cares 
about the money that NBC are going to lose. They're multi-billion companies. We all know that's why your tune has changed. You may have to pay a fine or you may just lose money in viewing figures because people aren't going to be able to watch it. Um, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm disappointed but not surprised at the bootlicking reporting going on uh, by people like Robbie Earle and Robbie Musto and Rebecca Lowe. Um, and, and it's amazing to me the... Uh, the way that there are that you know they've switched on this, um, and they're now calling it a violent protest. Uh, nobody's been hurt as of right now. Uh, nobody, you know, nothing has happened in terms of major violence or anything like that. <coughs> um, but here we are again. Um, the media is is jumping on this with a chance to demonise football fans, which is one of their favourite things to do. Uh, and as per usual, these billionaires uh, will continue to sit in their mansions not bothered because they know that their fellow billionaire friends in the media are going to support them to the end. Um, I, for one, am very, very happy to see what's happening in Manchester. Uh, I think that they should keep doing it. I think they should get the game called off. I think they should get the next one called off. I think they should get the one after that called off. It is beyond time that we started holding these people accountable for their actions. We spent 25 years at war, you know, for a stadium, um, and, you know, we were very lucky that Dick Knight was able to bail us out and we were even luckier that Tony was able to come in and do what he's done. Um, but make no mistake, you know, this is not the first or last time this has happened. Uh, this is not the first or last rich person coming in trying to strip uh, an asset, strip a team um, in any way, shape or form they can and to hell with the culture. This has been happening for 20 years and teams have been suffering all over the country and, and finally it's getting some notice. Um, but just because it's threatening a billionaire's pocket, all of a sudden it's totally unacceptable. Um, I think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, it's really pathetic. However, there are more great things coming out. We are now... Barring mathematical, uh, we are safe. Uh, with Fulham's defeat and our victory yesterday, uh, Fulham now need to win all four of their remaining games. Uh, three of those are against fellow rivals, Burnley, Newcastle, and... Can't remember who else. Uh, and then Manchester United as well. Uh, we also need to lose all of our remaining games. Uh, and we also need the teams below us, because there are now teams below us, to also outdo us. Um, yesterday was amazing. What can I say? Uh, we absolutely deserved the result that we got. Um, you know, and we can finally mark an end to the uh, the segment of the podcast where we go over the remaining run-in, uh, where we talk about possible wins and losses, uh, where we worry for our lives as to whether some kind of miracle is going to occur, because Brighton do quite often tend to be on the end of those miracles. Uh, and, and what is most crazy to me is that We've managed to do the double over the best team in the world as well. Um, you know, that's nuts to me that, that little old Brighton can can go ahead and, and take six points off of the greatest team to uh, ever take to a pitch in Leeds. So massive fair play. Uh, but in amidst all of the, the game yesterday, uh, there is a social media blackout going on. Um, that's why I'm not on Twitch doing this today. Uh, I'm just recording this in my in my office. Uh, and I'm delighted to see most people taking part. Um, disappointed but not surprised at a few of the, the bigger platforms um, that decided against it. Uh, Brighton-related and not Brighton-related. 
Um, I, I did say on social media on Thursday, uh, someone asked for opinions on it. Um, and I, I said, I, I understand why, you know, the teams are doing it. Uh, I think it will frustrate a lot of people and it clearly has. Um, but if it just makes a few of those people stop and, and think why and possibly change a mindset, then I think it's a win. Um, personally, just personally, uh, I think the impact of myself uh, and, and others not posting uh, is likely to have very, very minimal act, uh, you know, impact. However, to argue against myself, which I did uh, in the shower on Friday morning, <laughs> um, you know, I recycle cardboard and glass as well, right? Like we all recycle cardboard and glass in the little recycle bins. Um, and my entire life's worth of recycling, you know, I've been recycling for what, 15 years now since like we got those little bins and my mom told me to put things in there. Um, I've been doing that for 15 years. And when you compare that to these big boy mega corporations that are, you know, doing all the fossil fuels and smashing all this stuff out, you know, they're probably causing more damage in five minutes than I am help in the last 15 years. But I still recycle. I still do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, and that's how I that's that's the stance I've taken on the social media blackout as well. Do I think that together BHA blacking themselves out is going to make a big difference in the world? No, I don't. Is it the right thing to do? Is it the right side of history to be on? Yeah, I think it is. Um, and that's why I decided to go ahead with it. Um, now, the team itself and, and others, you know, major, you know, journos and stuff doing it. I mean, it's clearly had a huge impact. I can imagine that they are sweating bullets clenching their teeth, not wanting to, not being able to type today about what's going on at Manchester, uh, or, you know, the desperation they must feel to talk about the Albion because it was such a superb performance. Um, but we're able to do it here. So the game itself, you know, was just brilliant. Uh, it was a very open affair. Um, the fact that we won it made it better, obviously. Um, but across the 90 minutes, you know, there was lots of chances. Um, Albion smashed the XG again with 2.53. Uh, Leeds came out with a lowly 0.5. Uh, but make no mistake about it, they, they tried to carve out chances. Um, we made two changes to the lineup early on. Uh, no Lalana. Uh, he was out for due to injury uh, that he got in the middle of the week. Um, and then a tactical change as well from, from Jakob Moda to Dan Byrne. Uh, so Dan Byrne went out to left wing back, Joel Veltman to right wing back, uh, and Gross slid back into the middle uh, to partner Bissouma. Yesterday was a great example, uh, a great just, yeah, example um, as to why Pascal Gross should remain a midfielder and not a right wing back. Uh, he was so much better um, in that midfield role yesterday. Big, big team news coming out of Leeds as well. No Calvin Phillips again. Second time uh, that we played them this year. And the second time Calvin Phillips was not able to play against us. Uh, and it was at that moment um, I smelt blood. Um, Phillips has uh, missed nine games for Leeds and they have failed to win in seven of them after yesterday uh he is so pivotal for leads um you know i i am of the opinion that if bielsa and phillips were to leave in the summer i think leads will would go down badly i think it would be a shocking relegation um i think they won't quite be as bad as sheffield united uh but i think they would go down and quite badly too um i just think that they are so carried by those two people 
um, I think they would really struggle to to get out of that division alive if they if they got both of them out of the way. Um, the overarching stats were indicative of the game you'd expect, really. Potter and Bielsa both favour expansive attack in football. That's exactly what we got. Um, the Albion had 17 shots, 5 on target. Leeds had 11 shots, 2 on target. Uh, Leeds won the possession battle. We were happy to let them win it, uh, 59% to 41%. The Albion were well drilled. Uh, Leeds just about won the pass accuracy battle too, uh, which is quite interesting. They had 83% to our 80%. Um, they had 9% possession more than us, but only had 3% better pass accuracy. Um, we were just as useful. You know, we were just as economical with the ball as Leeds were. Um, Leeds also dominated on set pieces, which is rare for the Albion. Uh, I feel like most weeks I'm talking about the amount of set pieces, or especially corners, um, that Brighton get and don't make the most of. But yesterday we only had two. Um, they had a big old nine. Uh, luckily for us, they followed in our footsteps. Um, they failed to make the most of them. Uh, they only managed to hit their own player 33% of the time. The rest were swept up by the Albion. Um, in fact, the entire day was a tale of Leeds smashing their head against a wall. Um, or, you know, if you wanted to name the wall, uh, you could call it Dan Byrne, um, to be precise, and, and, and hoping constantly for a different result. Um, goal number one came nice and early. Uh, we came flying out of the traps. Uh, we we won a penalty. Danny Welbeck won the penalty. It was definitely a penalty. Um, you know, uh, it, Alyowski went down um, and he decided that he was taking Welbeck with him. Uh, he literally just put his hands across the front of him and, and dragged him down. Um, shocked that he tried to argue about it. Shocked that Bielsa was upset about it. It was about as nailed on as penalty as you're going to see all year. Um, if one of the Albion defenders had done that, I would be beyond frustrated at that Albion defender for giving that away. Because there's no way you can argue against it. Um, very good penalty from Pascal Gross. Went the right way, uh, Melier, but wasn't wasn't you know it was too hard and too low to uh, to get to. Um, absolute heart in throat moment when you when we saw that it dive the right way, uh, but great pen from Pascal and we're one 0 up. Uh, we soaked up the pressure uh, from about fifteen minutes onwards through till about thirty five minutes. We soaked up twenty minutes of Leeds pressure uh, and then we grew back into the game. Um, we pressed very high, uh, Trossard. Um, you know, we, we won the ball back. Danny Welbeck pressed high. What Mopai pressed the goalkeeper incredibly well. Uh, poor pass out to their defender. Welbeck was able to intercept, scoop it into the box. Trossard at the back post uh, basically had an open goal to tap into, uh, and he managed to spoon it over from about seven yards out. Uh, shortly before half time, we managed to cross the ball into the box hard and low, uh, and Mopai scuffed it. Um, and, you know, we went into half time where. With slightly more clinical finishing, we would have been three 0 up, um, and uh, and it felt very much felt to me like we were at Groundhog Day once again. Uh, and I was going to be recording this podcast uh, with a one one or a two one defeat, uh, lamenting you know our lack of finishing. Second half opens up. Uh, Mopai made another scuff. Uh, and then we belted the ball to the back post and Veltman skied it over as well. Uh, Veltman, obviously a right wing back, not the greatest finisher in the world, uh, but I did expect better of him. Uh, both of them missed chances again. Uh, and as I said, it felt like, you know, we were going to give it all up. Um, luckily, not to be, uh, we kind of allowed them all the pressure in the world again. 
for about 20 minutes, uh, from about, you know, 55 minutes through to about 60, 75 minutes. Um, and then all of a sudden, Danny Welbeck came to life. Uh, from what was a poor clearance out from the goal, uh, Danny Welbeck took a touch that prime Cruyff would be proud of um, and belted it into the bottom corner. Uh, everybody at home went wild. Everybody in the stadium probably was going wild. Alareza Yahan Baksh on the side was absolutely loving life next to Graham. Um, and, you know, that's the fifth goal of the season for Danny. Uh, I think he's scored as many goals as he's had managers last year. Um, and uh, safety all but assured. Um, we saw out the rest of the game very comfortably. Uh, made a couple of time-wasting substitutions. And 2-0. Game over. Uh, aggregate of three Goals to nothing in the case of two games. Uh, Graham Potter has absolutely done Bielsa tactically over the course of 180 minutes. What a legend. Um, in terms of the players themselves, you know, there are a couple of bad things to talk about. Um, so let's get them knocked out first because there's so much good. Um, the, the players that disappointed me yesterday, uh, one of them very obvious, uh, Neil Mopai today. Um, which is funny because last week, despite the defeat to Sheffield United, he was one of my better players. Uh, this week, not so much. Um, today, for me, he topped the bad charts. Two shots, none on target. Should have done better with both of those balls. Very poor expected assist, uh, which is generally, you know, something he's good at if he's not scoring goals. He's at least creating good opportunities. He didn't do either. Uh, generally did well holding up the ball, but that was about it. We need more. From a player uh, in this Albion side, to, you know, he felt like a bit of a passenger. Um, not good enough yesterday. Uh, and I hope with us being safe now, you know, something needs to click in Neil's head. Um, and hopefully, you know, we get that happen over the next couple of games or at least in the summer. Um, and the other bad was Veltman. Uh, I thought he looked like he was having to get used to being a right wing back again. Um, he committed five fouls yesterday, which is more than anybody else by a mile. Um, somehow got no booking, um, unbelievable, uh, and missed a huge opportunity to at least hit the target in the second half. Um, generally just looked a little bit off it. Uh, you know, he was given a tough time down that left-hand side by Harrison, um, but he he just looked uncomfortable yesterday, uh, and it's very unusual. Um, I don't even think he had a bad game. He just didn't look like the usual Joel Veltman. Good, though. We have loads of it. Danny Welbeck. Uh, oh, my goodness. Why didn't why didn't he play like that last week? I mean, if he played like that last week, he won't play him for Brighton, right? If, if he plays like that most weeks, that's when he stays at Manchester United or Arsenal. Um, this is why Brighton have him, because he's, he's only capable of that kind of performance one in every five games. Um, 16 out of 19 passes completed yesterday. Great fucking touches and movement. Um, completed three shots taken. Uh, two of them were on target. One obviously a goal. Uh, two key passes. Uh, one big chance created. Uh, one goal scored. A world-class turn. Just outrageous. Honestly, um, he had an absolute baller of a day at the office. Um, I thought he was superb. Uh, I really did think he was very good indeed. Uh, Lewis Dunk. 
Uh, he also had a good economical day at the back uh, in the middle of that defence. 42 out of 45 passes completed. Um, I feel like he is just getting obnoxiously good at this pass accuracy stuff. Uh, and so many of them are forward. Uh, 15 ball recoveries, most in a team. Uh, five clearances. Um, zero fouls. Uh, for a player that you know was in the heart of that defense worrying about a lot of different moving parts in the Leeds attack uh, he had zero fouls and kept himself very comfortable uh, I've seen the gif online of him chesting that ball back to Sanchez um, unreal you know it was really nice to see that Ben White and Webster were back in the side um, to me Webster was back to his best yesterday um, fully back uh, White was great um, and, and I, I'll tell you why I think he was fully back or what made me feel like he was fully back was the willingness for him and White to make driving runs forward into the middle of the pitch um, something we hadn't seen in the last couple of weeks but my goodness both were well up for it yesterday um, Ben White ups his game so hard against Leeds um, I thought the entire back three, three were very impressive um, and you know, I saw somebody uh, online, it might have been Bamford, um, in an interview said that he believes that if Ben White had stayed at Leeds, he would be in the England squad. And I actually totally agree with him. Um, not because Ben White would have been a better player at Leeds, uh, but it's solely down to who he plays for. Um, and it's genuinely baffling to me that, that none of that back three are even getting a conversation about being in the England squad. Um, you know, Ben White is the prototypical dream England English centre-back under Gareth Southgate. He's young, he's fast, he's great with the ball at his feet, he's happy going forward, and he's a superb tackler. That's literally what Gareth Southgate says that he wants. And when you compare him to Tyrone Mings, there's only one defender coming out of that match as a better defender. Um, it blows my mind, the, the disrespect that Gareth Southgate throws out. Um, Bissouma was superb again, three tackles, three interceptions, five clearances, two shots, two successful, three successful dribbles, which was the most in the team, um, was generally the ideal box to box midfielder yesterday. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Treasure him. Um, when we all, when you all are lucky enough to go and watch us play Manchester City that middle of the week, uh, let him know how much we love him. Because uh, it will probably be the last time we ever see him in, in you know, in the blue, the all blue shirt nowadays. Um, you know, I can't see him staying at the club after this season. I think we all agree. Um, but he was just excellent yesterday. He was just so good. I mean, those stats, three tackles, three interceptions, five clearances, two shots and three successful progressive dribbles, which is the most, you know, that is that is the dream box to box midfield performance in any team he did everything um just brilliant uh dan burn was my man of the match i thought he was just unreal is he clumsy yes is he a bizarre looking left wing back as sky and everybody else loves to point out yes because he's tall but bloody hell when dan burn plays well he plays well three tackles one interception eight clearances that's more than anybody else by five. Next person on the list had three clearances. One block shot. Seven aerial battles won. Second was Webster on three. Two key passes. Uh, and generally just absolutely smashed it yesterday. 
the, the reason Joel Veltman, I think, had such a tough time or looked slightly off it yesterday was because they couldn't go down the other side because Byrne had them absolutely dead to rights. I thought Dan Byrne was amazing. Do I want to see him play every week? No. I've said this numerous times. Do I think that Dan Byrne is a good player in the role that he's being asked to play? Yes. It's just, he was just so good yesterday. Um, and, you know, we're now at a stage where we are just picking off uh, Leeds United for fun. Um, you know, there's just, it's just outrageous the the kind of performances we're putting together to play Leeds. Um, I mean, I think we are well and truly one of their uh, one of their big bogey sides at this point. Um, you know, they've Leeds have now lost five consecutive away league games and against an opponent without scoring for the first time in their history. Uh, they have lost their last five visits to Brighton uh, by an aggregate score of eleven to nothing. So they've been beaten eleven nil over the course of five games. Um, absolutely mental, just brilliant. Love it. Um, and for such a massive team, you know, that's got to be shocking for them. Um, you know, they're supposed to be one of the best teams in the world. Um, by all accounts, I've been told uh, that, you know, by many Leeds fans that they were going to be in Europe this season. Um, and, uh, and you know, not as good as I, as, as I suspect they hoped. Um, and I feel like I have to keep telling this, this having this conversation with... Uh, fans from Yorkshire. We had this conversation with Huddersfield. We had this conversation with Sheffield United. And now we're having this conversation with Leeds. Um, I, I do think that Leeds are a slightly different prospect because they have a lot more money. Um, but these teams, Huddersfield and Sheffield United, were also all over the Brighton timeline saying how good they were and they were going to continue to grow and they were amazing and they were better than us. And like, fine, like you had a great season. But second season syndrome is a very real thing. And teams need to understand that. Brighton, I said the exact same thing. Good, we stayed up the first season. Second season is going to be twice as hard. I said it on the podcast. It may well have been episode one. This game is going to be tough. This this season is going to be tough. And it proved to be our toughest season so far. Um, and, you know, we just about, just about managed to stay up. And... That's the same for almost every team. Um, you know, this this second season thing is a real bitch to get through. Um, and no one's safe, not even Leeds. Um, Norwich and Watford uh, are now fully confirmed to be joining us in the Premier League this year. Uh, the playoffs are pretty much locked in as well. No, they are now officially locked in. Um, not quite locked in on what position, third through sixth, but the playoffs are going to concern Brentford, Swansea, Bournemouth and Barnsley. Uh, for me, I'd like anybody to come up but Bournemouth. Um, but from a very, very selfish perspective, um, if, and it's a big if, if we don't invest in the squad in the summer, you know, if we were to lose Bissouma and maybe even lose White um, and not reinvest that money wisely, uh, which is very much a possibility, um, then we're going to have the same journey next year as we had this year. Uh, so for me, I would probably pick Barnsley out of those four. Uh, because they're going to go right back down. They're just so far out of a Premier League infrastructure uh, that selfishly I would pick them because they pick they take up one of those spots. Um, the bottom three now look locked as well. Uh, Fulham, West Bromwich Albion, and Sheffield United. All of them are going to have to, you know, Sheffield's gone. Um, Fulham now need to just commit a miracle to get up. 
Uh, West Brom play Wolves tomorrow. Uh, if they lose there, there is no miracle for them either. Um, speaking of Wolves, next Sunday is our game against Wolves. Bright and early on a Sunday morning for us in America. 7 a.m. my time, FML. Uh, before going into that final barrage of three games in a week to end the season uh, with West Ham, Man City and Arsenal in eight days. Uh, luckily, we can probably just sit back and enjoy them uh, while the teams around us do the same uh, and Fulham toil. Uh, not our problem anymore. Great result. Great weekend. Continue to fight the good fight, those at Manchester. Um, and I will speak to you all next week after the Wolverhampton game. Uh, be safe and, and have a good rest of your week.